the approximate exact time. Okay, so we'll wait a couple more minutes. And uh, for everybody, when you're speaking, I was told to hold this by your heart. So... Back now? Okay. <laughs> oh, there are apparently some time cards here uh, for you to use. If I'm not paying attention, just wave wide. <laughs> Welcome to the 9 p.m. marathon meeting. My name is Esther. I am a recovered compulsive overeater and a recovered bulimic, and your speaker for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me this serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please make sure. This session is being recorded. All participants are required to sign the release form if you speak. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Please remember, OA members affiliated with related facilities or other 12-step programs are requested to speak on their recovery in the OA program only. An ask it basket will be circulated for the question and answer portion of this session. If there are any press in this room, please respect our anonymity by not taking any pictures, using a video camera, or using our full names. The format for this session is as follows. I will share for 25 minutes on the topic of forgiveness, followed by questions and answers for five minutes, followed by open sharing. An Ask It basket will be passed around. Please place your questions uh, in the basket for the speaker. The topic for this session is forgiveness, and the speaker for this session is Esther. I will now, okay, so then I think I can go ahead and start my 25 minutes. Um, I'm Esther. I'm a recovered bulimic with over 30 years of abstinence, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater because the big book tells us that we do recover, and the big book says, and that's how I got my abstinence from the compulsive overeating was through a program that focused on the big book, and it says, this is how we recovered. So I use that phraseology, and it has nothing to do with doing it perfectly, (laughs) Uh, which is sort of the enemy of of me, anyway. 
the topic is forgiveness, and I've had a recent experience of forgiveness that was the greatest gift I could have gotten. Uh, I've been married for 33 years, and about five months ago, I moved uh, away from my husband to Nashville, Tennessee, and had a lot of work to do because the relationship was abusive. Uh, and um, so the first thing I would and then got this wonderful gift of being able to forgive him. And it, it doesn't mean that I'm going to live with him again. It doesn't mean uh, that, uh, you know, everything's fine. I still want to go on with my life. But it was just a tremendous gift that I gave myself, working, doing the work to get, reach that point of forgiving him for things. And preceding that was a lot of program work looking at my side of the street. Preceding that was feeling and being in touch with a lot of anger um, and doing a lot of work both with a therapist and through program on the steps. For me, both of my recoveries from the bulimia and from the compulsive overeating came from working the steps. And so I'm a step-centered sponsor, and um, I see the big book as my text, and uh, I actually belong to a group. It's mostly a a phone and online group called uh, Overeaters Anonymous Primary Purpose, part of our uh, group. that takes people through the steps uh, in days or weeks. And we have a saying in this group, it's the steps you take, not the meetings you make. Not that there's anything wrong with going to meetings, that's, that's fine. And when we do, after we do the work in our recovery with our steps, Until then, we tell our protégés, which is what sponsees are called in the big book, we tell them um, that they should not go to meetings. I know, boy, it really shocked me. (laughs) They should not go to meetings, and when they have recovered, then they go back to meetings to be of service. And that was very helpful to me because a lot of regular OA was very focused on food and counting abstinence and ha- had a whole different way of looking at things than this this subgroup of OA that I uh, I could that I came to I couldn't uh, follow a food plan so uh, this is that was where I landed and it worked for me um, I've lost 65 pounds and kept them off for a year and a half at this point, uh, with no food plan. But I have my higher power. So I was guided on this um, journey, which was really painful because I am in, uh, I have had a 
an illness, chronic fatigue syndrome, for 28 years and felt very dependent on my husband who was being not physically abusive but who was just really controlling and judgmental and um, angry and full of financial fear. And so it was really scary to even think about moving away, much less uh, that being permanent and everything. But um, so I moved to Nashville, where I still have a rental house that I live in when I'm not here, and um, did a lot of heavy work on with the steps. Uh, needless to say, I had resentment, I had fear, uh, I had, um, I was livid and angry at the way I'd been treated, and I hadn't been able to get away sooner because my health made me dependent. And I'm recently, in the last few years, how to have had an improvement in that, which really uh, was very helpful. So for me, forgiveness was me working the steps on me, first step, cleaning up my side of the, uh, of the um, uh, road. I couldn't really extricate myself from the codependent relationship that I had without cleaning up my side of the road uh, doing the steps, using the steps. And uh, so I wrote lots of fourth steps and um, uh, did a, cried a lot, did a lot of, lot of work, and I was given two gifts from that. Once my side was cleaned up and I was not hooked into the common relationship things that have been going on for over 30 years in the marriage, uh, I, could, I began to see. And I saw my husband, and I, I kind of knew this intellectually, I saw the dysfunctional family he came from where his mother was very dominant and his father was emasculated and... What I saw was really my husband, separate from me. That's really what I'm saying. I did my work, cleaned up my side, and then I could see him, and even little inklings began, and then they became uh, stronger of compassion for him as an individual, separate from me, with a history and with reasons for, uh, uh, for his behavior, uh, however harmful they had, had uh, been for me. And I had to clear up stuff I threw back at him during that time and clean up my own behavior. And, um, you know, it was so comfortable just to blame him about everything. It's just so easy to make the other person the reason everything is, is a problem. Um, and I had to let go of that, you know, because I was part of the problem too. And with that through these efforts, with that cleaned up, I was given two gifts. Uh, one was 
I found forgiveness for him. Um, and it was a tremendous gift for me, a relief, because I didn't need to hang on to my anger about what he did and what, you know, all the things that happened. I let go of the past, you know, and I can see him as a person. Now, I may not want to live with him anymore, and I may, you know, and that's probably true. I probably won't live with him um, anymore, but I've forgiven him. It, it has. It seems to have to do with um, part of what program is about, which is not seeing yourself as the center of the world, and therefore, while this miserable marriage was going on, um, uh, realizing that he had his side and his story and his past and his problems to be dealing with too. And um, having compassion for what he went through. And uh, I don't think anything gave me more joy than finding that forgiveness of him. And that was followed by another sort of epiphany as I did all this work. This is not, you know, this just doesn't come. And, uh, And... And that was that even though my mom had been very critical and he was very critical, that I was okay. You know, I'm fine the way I am, imperfect as I am. And that was another gift that came came out of this work. And uh, the speaker at the dinner tonight, a man named Frank, um, it reminded me of a quote. It's from uh, actually originally from uh, a man named Jack Cornfield, uh, and I'm going to see. I want to. I want to. Uh, I wrote it down to remind myself. The quote is: "Forgiveness is giving up all hope of a better past." And that just, when I first heard it, and I heard it repeated tonight, um, there's nothing my husband can do, I can do, uh, to make my past better. It was what it was, and that means acceptance. Could you repeat that again? Okay, sure, let me get it again. Forgiveness is giving up all hope of a better past. And um, it is liberating. It is so liberating because I, I would go obsess and go on and on and on in my mind about, about the past and it's gone, and there's nothing's going to change it, and I can let it go. And that's the first, you know, that's acceptance, which I just feel is the core of our spiritual program, acceptance of reality. And um, the, the speaker tonight also mentioned the other, the other part of that, and that is that um, what 
fear is 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 always projecting into the future. Uh, so I'm afraid, and basically for us selfish, self-centered, egocentric, combustive overeaters, I'm afraid I won't get my way in the future. You know, so let's worry about that all the time, and uh, uh, and ruin the present moment. And so that's where I see that the the letting go of the past with that concept that there's no hope for changing the past, and that so that the only thing that to do to save yourself is to uh, be in forgiveness of everyone and yourself, especially yourself, and there's. Uh, no way of knowing what's going to happen in the future. And you know what? You probably won't get all of what you want in the future, and it won't be your way, and that'll be the beginning of, that's the beginning of realizing that and that that's okay and trusting your higher power that that you will be okay and, and, and safe and things will be fine in the future dissipates the fear. And what does that leave? That leaves the present moment that we're in now. And um, that present moment is where I can, the promises come true. I can be happy, joyous, and free in this present moment, looking at all you beautiful people, you know. And I don't have to, uh, uh, I don't have to. Now, does my mind go back to these old habits of doing that? Sure. And the thing that... um, uh, for that, for for that, for me, is uh, what step eleven is about: is uh, training the mind and not running with whatever thought crosses your head in your mind. Because, just in my experience, I've learned that I am not my mind. There's something much more to me than that mind that's saying. Oh, grab that food, or, or uh, um, you know, whatever it's, it's, or it, damn him, or all of that. That's just that's just the surface of the mind. And so, step eleven brings you to prayer and meditation, where you get below that surface. And when your mind starts running in in different directions, you have like the center you can come back to imperfectly. I don't do any of this perfectly come back to where um, uh, the serenity is. And it's, it's wonderful. And does, do bad things stop happening? Do you feel happy all the time? No. Does, you know, do you have uh, challenges? It's classroom earth, of course you have challenges. And uh, um, then the other thing that, that through this meditation kind of practice that I've learned is that I'm not my body. That that was another shocker. I'm not my body. My body has been sick for 28 years with this illness. I have been bedridden. I have been um, uh, uh, limited housebound, and and I've been better, and I'm better now. But I still have to watch and take care of myself. And I'm not my body. So I'm not my mind, I'm not my body, and when you meditate, you find out who you are, and it's, it's that serene, it's that serene inside part that you really are, uh, deep inside. 
So, just to conclude, in my experience, forgiveness involves getting your anger expressed, not necessarily harmfully to somebody else, getting in touch with your anger, feeling it, being angry, crying, getting into that real situation of what what you're really feeling. And only when you do that and you do the step work with support uh, can you reach that point of forgiveness. And it's very similar. I I would describe it. I um, have over 30 years of uh, not vomiting. And it's... It was a very similar feeling when, when I became willing to, I called somebody for six months and told them how much I was eating and approximately what I, what I was eating and how many times I threw up that day while I worked the steps. And then I had this little moment where my higher power, I think, is the way I see it, said, said to me, you're not going to have the life you want if you... Uh, keep vomiting, and suddenly it was lifted. It was lifted, and I never did it again. I got fat as a result, but I took responsibility for everything else, uh, you know, everything I put in my in my mouth. And it it does seem like a miracle, and I call it grace. But I'm not really a necessarily I'm less of a uh, true believer in an outside God, but but. And this is what that felt like. I did all the work. I expressed all the feelings, sort of ad nauseum, I'm sure, to some people. And, uh, and, I, and then I was given this gift uh, of uh, forgiveness. And it felt the same way. It was like grace. Where did it come from? It came from hard work. Because if I hadn't done that process, it wouldn't, I don't think... Have come, but it when it comes, it feels like grace that I no longer have to be angry and hooked, you know. And uh, it was very, very liberating. And it was only after I could forgive him did I find myself, and that I that I'm just fine the way I am. This I I have problems like everybody else. I have a bad body that doesn't work. I have. Uh, uh, a disabled son. I have lots of lots of uh, life problems, like everybody does, and that only came after the forgiveness, that acceptance of myself as I am, to love myself. So that's really. We could take more questions if people have questions, but uh, let me think if there's anything else. Um, that I need to say, do the process and get the reward of of forgiving everyone, including yourself. And that's when, for me at least, the promises come true. So that's all. Thanks. Do we have any questions? They don't have to be written down. You can, you can. Uh...
but we're going to do five minutes of, of whatever. Are these all blank? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yes, yes. Well, then if nobody is hooked on the idea of writing them down, if anybody has any questions, I'd be happy to um, offer that. Yeah, I, I've noticed that's kind of a flaw. You haven't heard anybody, and yet it's passed around. You don't, you know, know what you might want to ask. And we'll, you, you will take the microphone if you have a question. And uh, I was told to hold it by your heart. And we can sit quietly until someone has, or a sh- I think we only we only have a few minutes for questions, but we can be flexible on that, and then we, people can share. I will. I'm Dee, a compulsive eater, and I just wanted, I wondered if you could explain a little more detail how you, what the process was that you used to forgive your husband. Okay. Okay. You're going to have to do this. Go sign, please, so I don't get in trouble. <laughs> Suffering, I guess, is what comes to mind. I suffered. I suffered through the experience. I had built up anger, resentment, and everything, and I suffered, and um, reaching the point of forgiveness was also suffering, and it involved writing multiple inventories, sharing with the therapist, all my First of all, I, real, I did re- figure out that I was not the innocent in this, you know. And so I started working on myself and on my own um, uh, through inventories, through t- sharing uh, with program people, with the therapist and everything. And I just shared my livid anger. I was so fucking pissed when I saw how he had treated me when I was sick and when I saw it more clearly and how I had fought for to keep my children in my illness and um, uh, how disrespected I was and everything. But that didn't matter. I needed to look at what I had done and uh, write my inventory and how if he was abusive to me, I came back and give him, gave him a load of shit back and was abusive in return. I had to look at that. 
and I had to um, look at my acquiescence to another human being's will. Admittedly, I give myself a little slack because I was physically ill um, and bedridden and stuff. So it was it was it was a little. I'd like to think I would have done better, but how I submitted to the control of another human being to survive and that that was a character defect in me. Um, I had multiple attempts to get away and, um, and I did, but I could never sustain it because I would be too ill and I would have to come back to that. So I had to look at, at myself and I um, I can paint a lovely picture of what a great person I am and how he treated me so poorly. Um, but um, uh, I wasn't nice in return. And now I'm, I'm back at my family home in Morgan Hill right now. I'm getting some medical care at Stanford and everything. And... I imperfectly, because I still can get kind of hooked when the, you know, when some of his old behaviors come out, but um, I can be compassionate to him. I can be loving to him. I can, um, I think, I think it has to do, and I'm just learning through this, you know, going through this. I think it has to do with seeing first my contributions to the situation and um, and then seeing that he has his story and it's a pretty sad story and I, I feel he's never wanted to work on himself and I hope he decides to and he does you know he does better and get better gets better. And I see the family he came out of, and I know where a lot of his behavior came from. I see the stress he was under uh, when I became sick. And I became sick. I had an 80-year-old dad living with us with Alzheimer's. I had uh, a 13-year-old, a 4-year-old, and an 8-month-old when I became bedridden. And he had everything on him. And then now we've talked about it, and we see that he came into the marriage um, uh, with these issues from his family of origin. And he will either work on them or he won't. And uh, but that's you know that's up to him. But I certainly have compassion for him because he's had a very hard time. Uh, and hopefully he'll find uh, a way to heal himself. But uh, I won't, it's not acceptable to be treated like that anymore. And uh, um, I have like a new ethic of self-care, if this makes sense, that I take good care of myself. And... I will tell you, I mean, I don't know, is this answering your question? Okay. I, I, um, 
I will tell you, I talked to my therapist on the phone, my therapist in Nashville, and he had been harsh with me in front of friends um, that were that were visiting. Um, and our friends, you know, saw a different side of him because there was a, is a very charming side of him, too. And um, that was validating for me because I always felt... I only I was the only one, or within our family, everybody in the core family could see all the anger and resentment. Okay, and um, that was very validating. And but I was ready to run away when this harshness came back out at me. And I talked to my therapist, who said. Uh, and as I was talking, I said, maybe it's not time. I don't need to run away, you know. Maybe I can take care of myself right in this situation, set my boundaries, and love him. Um, and go back to Nashville <laughs> when it's time. And that was, uh, that was very scary. And that's, but that's what I'm doing because I can't, I'm not, I'm trying to grow and be the person I want to be and I don't want to run away. Now, I may not stay married to him. I may not, you know, we may be separated, whatever we may do. That's not the the issue. The issue is what's good for my growth and sticking there and, and being able to distinguish myself from him um, I think, and uh, until it's time for me to go back, which I'm looking forward to doing, um, and taking care of myself. If I need to leave the house, then I leave the house. If, uh, if I need to stay somewhere else, then I do that. Just that self-care that comes. Okay, I think that's about the time for questions. Uh, and would anybody like to share? Or I'm, if you want, if there are any other questions, I'm not going to be a stickler about that either. You talked about getting in touch with the anger, and I just wanted to know a little bit more about that. What, um, how did you do that? What, how, did, what types of processes did you go through? Um, 
and then you said the next step was to do the step work around it. How did it transition from expressing it to the page and what awarenesses did you have in that process? answering this is for a recording it doesn't uh, um, do I need to speak a little louder no okay okay well it was a screaming banshee pretty much you know I I uh, I, I screamed at him I uh, uh, complained loudly to my daughter I felt hurt because I've discovered under anger is often, um, thank you, under anger is often um, hurt and fear, and uh, I was a crazy woman for a while, you know, I just couldn't let it go, I was holding on to the past, Uh, how could he do this to me and say he loves me, how could, you know, and I just... uh, Oh, my poor daughter. <laughs> I have a daughter in Nashville who's 40, and I think it was it was wearing on her. And you know what? It was wearing on me. But all that anger needed to be felt and expressed, and that, for me, it was a lot of verbal, verbally. As far as the steps, well, first I had to do the steps on myself, you know, and... I had to get a little bit further out of that that just blatant anger and rage at how I'd been treated to look at myself. And then I did, I wrote, uh, uh, did fourth steps, or uh, uh, call them tenth steps, whatever they were. I did them from, there are a whole variety of things out there of different ways to do fourth steps. And while my recovery came from doing them exactly as in the big book, uh, I used everything I could. I used, um, um, there is kind of cognitive therapy. Um, I don't need to tell you the woman, but it's, it's, it's a process. It's called the work. I can give you the name afterward. I don't want to share it in the meeting. Um, and it is looking at what is true and what is not true. And what was true is I was no angel. You know, I was a bitch, too, back. And I needed to work. I wasn't, you know, dealing with what was happening to me, being uh, um, um, loving and kind. I'm just at, at that point where I can pretty well do that, but I can still get kind of hooked and pulled back in, and then I need to to uh, get centered again because I get hooked and pulled in because I get hurt, you know. Uh, so uh, a lot of program work, a lot of talking and crying in therapy, a lot of uh, uh, giving it back to him. I had to make amends for that. <laughs> I had to make amends for a lot of things. <laughs> so does that answer? Okay. I 
I think there's an opening when you begin to look at your side of even if it, if you feel that it's all coming and that you you want to blame because I blamed him for everything. There's that little opening in whatever however bad the situation is, looking at your peace in it. And um, uh, maybe an opening to sanity. Should we take a group uh, conscience if we want to close early or meditate or whatever, anyone? What? As is, we'll sit. Yes, sir. Okay, uh, Steve Kapulsaviter. Um, you know, it's, I, co- I come to these uh, events like this, and it's really interesting for me because when I really want to get something from the event, it becomes a real disappointment. You know, I've been coming for about four or five years to different things, and um, the last couple of years I come, like, just to have fun and see friends, and maybe if I can help a little bit. And um, then when I walk in a meeting and somebody says something, and I get something out of it, you know. And A thing I heard earlier this morning was somebody talking about somebody talking to her about um, three things they do, and the first thing got my attention, which is I don't negotiate my food. And that's been the lesson I got today. And it's like I'm going to do an inventory almost on where do I still negotiate my food? Um I came in these rooms several years ago, and uh, and I've been struggling with food till recently. And if I finally have abstinence, it's not like my, I know it's not my final abstinence. I'm not losing weight, but I'm not eating between meals, and that's just I didn't do that. I take no credit for that. And um, this is this theme of this meeting is forgiveness, right? And so, um, you know, I was really pissed at something somebody did today. And through the help of a friend, I worked the steps while taking a walk. I worked the fourth step while taking a walk. And I have a way that can take like a half hour of just writing down one issue, you know. And at the end, I, I went to the point where I said, okay, I'm ready to make amends. And in order for me to make amends, I'm not ready to make amends until I've forgiven the person. 
you know, I mean, it says, you know, it says in the Bible to go with a forgiving spirit. To me, that's not enough for me. That's like I'm, I'm forgiving you, but I'm not. I'm doing it because I need to make amends, and I really haven't forgiven you. It, I really have to have forgiven them. And um, the only way I seem to be able to forgive them is there's two parts: accepting that they're exactly the way they're supposed to be, and that I'm like them or worse in similar ways. And it was about valuing the money more than the person. And it's like, I spent my whole life doing that. You know, I'd rather make sure I got my dime than maintain my friendship. I've done that, you know, so much in my life. And it was just, it's just, it's, I, I had this moment of embarrassment. It's like, okay, now I can, I can forgive this person. But, but I have to, you know, it's like, for me, I finally learned how, you know, whole, there's a whole bunch of nuances in the big book four step. And one of those is the realization that they're like me. And uh, I never didn't used to do that, and now I do that more. And uh, I'm really grateful because, you know, I held the grudge for like a half hour, really heavily, for about another hour or so lightly, and then I made men's tonight, and it's like, good, it's done. Um, and so, you know, I don't work this program perfectly. I don't know if I even work it well. But I'm really grateful that as long as I'm participating, I learn something every day. And I get a chance, not just up here, I get a chance to do something. Uh, I'm a really good big book learner. I used to be, I used to, I'm a book learner. And I used to study the big book. And it's like, I don't study the big book, I try to do what it says. And um, what is that saying? Um, this program isn't for the people who, for people who want it. It's not even for people who need it. It's for people who are willing to do the work to get it. So I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad that I'm doing some of the work. Thanks. It is open sharing time. Open for three-minute shares. I'm Dee, a compulsive eater. Um, for me, it, I, I've also found it really helpful to, um, once I, if I have a resentment, to try to, 
to look at that person that I'm resenting or that thing and try to understand their background. I, I've also found that really helpful and it's given me compassion, you know, if I see someone, you know, if I see someone that has a very, you know, what I would call a prickly personality that kind of, you know, really gets on my nerves or something to understand where did, you know, where did that come from? You know, maybe they were abused as a child or they didn't, you know, they didn't get love or, or, you know, someone really hurt them. And it just, by doing that, it has, it's really helped me in several situations with people that I have had resentments for, and it has helped me to to forgive them when I can see where they're, maybe where it's coming from. And I like the reminder also to, you know, look at my side of the, look at my side of the street and see, you know, where can I make improvements, you know, where have I hurt someone, and where do I need to ask for forgiveness? Thanks. Take a minute to share, if it's okay. Um, still, Esther. Um, what helped? One thing that helped me that I, I didn't think about mentioning was the part in the big book when it says, "This is a sick person," and and then I realized, and I'm a sick person, and. Um, that helped me. Uh, to, to not characterize someone as bad or evil or something, but that they're just sick like me and doing the best they can. And, you know, um, I found that, uh, that concept very helpful. Oh, I don't know. Oh, it does? I'm sorry. I thought it... Oh, I see. Okay. And we should be getting ready to end. So thank you. I didn't realize that. It is now time to close this session. Let's thank uh, everyone who has done service for this session. Please stand. Please stand and... uh, Join hands with the, um, gee, I'd like to do the third step prayer, and I don't know if, I, I, I think it's on our brochures. Do enough people have it memorized? Okay. As long as it's the same every other word, we're okay.